Hello and welcome to Basketball Reasons, part of the Forum Club here on the Athletics NBA Podcast Network. I'm Bill Oram. Brett Dawson is in San Francisco with the Lakers, which means we have a very, very special guest uh, today on Basketball Reasons, Sam Amick, the co-host of Tampering with Joe Varden, the face of the Athletics NBA Podcast Network, which which generally means not video. Oh, sick burn, sick burn. Thanks, man. Have you have you shared that story on an athletic podcast yet? It just happened two days ago. Can I, can I bring it up on this one? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Jerry Reynolds used to be the GM of the Kings like in the freaking 80s, and he was their coach too. He's now, he's an on-air personality that you see on Kings telecast. He's got his own podcast that's like sponsored by this furniture company here in Sacramento. And he asked me to come on and he was like, it's not really about hoops per se. It's like, you know, your life, your career. And I was like, sure, this sounds fun. And like when I hear podcasts, I think audio. And so, yes, there was a studio. I just thought that it was like we were going to make sure we did it in person. And I show up with jeans and a T-shirt on and it's like a, an hour long on camera visit. <laughs> and I've got like a raggy garage T-shirt on. <laughs> You'll be able to see it for yourself uh, when it comes out next week. Excellent. I only felt better because, and I didn't tell you this, I went back and I looked at previous guests on the show and um, they were similarly casual. Uh, now, granted, like if you're Doug Christie, you get a different leeway than I do. <laughs> But it wasn't exactly like a suit and tie. Don't, don't worry, Sam. This one's audio only. <laughs> well, Sam, the the reason it's so exciting to have you on this week uh, of all weeks, and listen, you'd be a you'd be a, a high profile guest for us any any week, any any day of the year. But this week, you wrote a story that is particularly relevant to the Lakers. And you know, I think one thing that's kind of the blessing and the curse of being as good as the Lakers are right now, forty three and twelve, is is with a month and a half left in the season, five weeks left in the season, we're already talking about the playoffs and we're going to be talking right. about the playoffs for the next month and a half. And I do feel like it's kind of an interesting dynamic for, for, you know, guys on the team where you spend so much time looking ahead to the playoffs or being asked about the playoffs. I wonder if it makes it harder to stay in the moment, but your story this week, you did the most comprehensive job I've seen of anyone really breaking down the race for the eighth seed in the Western conference. And that's obviously relevant to the Lakers because there really is no race for the one seed. The Lakers look pretty locked in as, as, as the first seed in the Western Conference. Obviously, never say never, but we're going to go ahead and assume that the Lakers are going to be the one seed. What did you learn um, in breaking down those those six teams that are you know in the mix? Uh, the first thought would be that the, the genesis of it was, you know, I'm looking at the calendar in my neck of the woods uh, as far as games and trying to figure out what I wanted to get into next. And the Pelicans were playing at the Warriors. And so... Naturally, you're saying, okay, should I maybe do something on the Pelicans? They got Zion Williamson back. Finally, he's playing at a really high level. Um, then you study the schedule a little more and you say, oh, wow, they played the Lakers in a couple days and connect those dots and realize that the prospect of a first round playoff matchup with those two teams is possible. The part that I enjoyed even more from there is that, you know, we're guilty, as you know, Bill, at different times in what we do for a living that like, you know, the, the, the one angle that you might want, um, you know, you have to obviously match that with reality. And, and the more I studied about the situation, the less of a stretch it felt like to truly make the statement that the Pelicans Lakers prospect was really attainable. Um, and so first and foremost, it was learning even more about what's going on with the Pelicans, how good Zion has been. Um, the part that gets overlooked and that matters to me a lot is that they were, I believe, 11 and four in the 15 games leading up to Zion coming back, which is to say that they were already figuring things out. Brandon Ingram playing at a really high level, 
obviously former Laker and the other former Lakers on that squad doing pretty good things. And then Zion on his own has been historically good through 12, 13 games and they are on the uptick. Now they're not the only squad that, you know, the six that we're talking about here is Blazers, Kings, Suns, Spurs, Grizzlies being the ones uh, in that eight spot right now. I don't know where you want to start when it comes to this group, but um, but I really do think that the New Orleans thing is is very legit. I mean, just imagine the prospects of that of that series. And and you talked about obviously the ratings gold it would be for the NBA in your piece, but from a an emotional um, outlay standpoint, there'd be both teams would just for a first round series, particularly for a Lakers team that imagines themselves playing into into mid June. That is a lot. That is a lot to have to put out in the first round. You obviously have Anthony Davis going back to New Orleans. He's going to get he would get booed. And obviously there'd be a lot on him just outside of the game. Then you'd have the young guys who played for the Lakers previously coming back to L.A. wanting to prove something to the Lakers. You have the Zion LeBron dynamic. Um, You have you have you have you have Zion really kind of, you know, on the big stage of the NBA playoffs for the first time. I mean, it, it would an intriguing matchup for various reasons, but the storylines are insane. And, and frankly, like, you know, Andy Kamenetsky wrote a great story for us um, after the Lakers played the Pelicans this week. And, and you basically made the case we should be rooting for a Pelican series because there's no guarantee you will ever get Zion versus LeBron in the playoffs ever again. Yeah. You, know, you, you kind of yeah. think you will, but there's no guarantee. Like we oh, never got we, yeah. we never got the Kobe LeBron finals. And that, that was the example, obviously, that he used. And we all know. But if it's if it's close to happening now, we should really hope that we get it now because it's when it's in front of us no i couldn't agree more and i mean but if but if i'm the lakers i would prefer to avoid this like it is it's it's it's, there's way too many distractions oh give me memphis give me sacramento give me phoenix which phoenix doesn't look very good right now but yeah way too many distractions i mean i don't i don't want portland because dame is like and from a basketball standpoint portland would be the most intimidating opponent i think particularly you get playoff damian lillard maybe they get Nurkic back Melo has a different level maybe in Zach Collins is getting back. Yeah, I mean, that's a team that was looking like a top half Western Conference team at the start of the year. Maybe they get healthy right as they're coming to take on the Lakers. That's, you know, that's bad news. Um, But the Pelicans, just in terms of what you would have to invest in that series, just seems like an incredible weight. Well, and the hype, too. I think we sometimes forget that the media stuff matters only in that it's part of these players' routines. And so now... If it's Lakers against Spurs or Lakers against Sacramento, a squad like that, the national media, for the most part, is going to stay away in that first round. You're not going to get the personal storylines that you already kind of highlighted. I mean, what does it tell you that Lonzo Ball, with all of his history in Lakerland, to make sure I use your favorite phrase, Lakerland, Lakerland, that Lonzo Ball is is an afterthought when it comes to all these subplots. You know, you've, you've got Brandon Ingram, Probably the other night sitting here going, hey, you know, why am I not getting talked about? I'm the guy that they shipped away to make the AD trade happen. And now I'm I'm getting my comeuppance with the way I'm playing. And he had a good night against the Lakers. So it would be a ton of fun. And I'm with you for sure on the Zion versus LeBron thing and rooting for it. And I also think basketball wise, what we learned in the matchup the other night that could also, you know, I think would be a ton of fun is that. It's not on the floor, Zion versus LeBron. It's Zion versus AD. And yeah. that was a pretty neat matchup. And, um, you know, Zion did a hell of a job. I think AD was 6-21 to 21 from the field. And, and I think it'd be a blast. I mean, yeah, selfishly, no offense to the other fan bases. You know, I got no problem with you and I hanging out 
down on, on the French Quarter, you know, covering that series. Yeah, and it's funny. Um, one thing that we we do at the Athletic is um, Brian Kamenetsky does a whenever the Lakers go on a multi game road trip, he asks me for my food recommendations in each city, and I've been negligent on getting him my recommendations for these next couple of games this weekend. The Lakers are in Memphis and, and New Orleans. I have spots in New Orleans, Sam, including the one I'm going to write about for for Brian uh, this weekend is Brothers Food Mart. Have you been there? I have not, and I'm sad to report here in, in real time on the podcast. I think you're under the impression that I might be joining you this weekend. And, and no, I'm not. No, no, no. Okay. I'm talking about in the playoffs. No, no, no. In I was playoffs. just giving you the update that I'm okay. not joining you this weekend. But, yes, tell me in the playoffs, what what is this uh, this glorious spot you're talking about? It's a convenience store with fried chicken in the case. And it's like you, you walk up, you think it's like 7-Eleven where it's been sitting there baking all day. Um, and it's going to be dry and tough. And it's just it's incredible fried chicken. And it's especially for when, you know, listen, like, you know, when you're eating outside of what might be normal waking hours, which in New Orleans does not apply. The waking hours are, um, you know, 24 hours a day in 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 New Orleans. But it's a very good late night, great late night option. So jello um, shots count as eating. Is that is that a food group or is that a, a drink? OK, I digress. <laughs> that's, that's this, this, this is basketball reasons after dark. Yes. Um, so is there, is there a wild card to, to you in, in that eighth spot or is it basically Pelicans? Um, you know, do you, do you, do you think the Pelicans are the, you know, overwhelming? Um, no, I don't think it's overwhelming. They're still young. They, I mean, they do really kind of, you know, pass every test in the last couple of weeks. They have the same net, at least before the last game, they had the same net rating as the Lakers for the past 12 games and that speaks volumes but i think the blazers like you said are there the kings um and i know i I, you know because i'm based here folks always kind of glom on to my two cents on their team i don't But your two cents go a lot farther in sacramento than they do in los angeles yes they do indeed thank you for reminding me but i guess lakers fans will well they don't care they don't have a dog in this fight but the kings um have won nine of 13 the metrics don't look great for them a lot of it looks like you know, the results have been good, but the play has not been as good. So I, I don't expect the Kings to miraculously pull this off. I've had other people. I had an agent tell me yesterday that he thought San Antonio was the squad. Um, they've been Jekyll and Hyde. They had a really good win over Utah, a bunch of bad wins. Um, I don't know what to make of the Spurs, but, I mean, Greg Popovich, Lamar, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, like, would I be stunned if they got it together? Uh, no, and, and they finally got home after the rodeo road trip which is kind of the the major X factor for them. The thing about the Sacramento matchup that um, would intrigue me, and I know we haven't, um, like, we've really moved on from Luke Walton as a Laker, but, I mean, Luke Walton coaching the Kings into the playoffs and against the Lakers would be a a pretty juicy storyline as well. Not on the level of what we were talking about with New Orleans, but obviously would be one that would be pretty appealing by the time it got here. And obviously it would be, I just like, it's like, to me, it's one of those things though, where we would write it, you would, you would have to write it and it would be better than, a lot of other things that you might have written based on the other matchups um, outside of New Orleans. But then when the ball went up, you would realize that it was all for nothing. You know what I mean? Like, I think it would be a very quick series. I think it's not as if Luke would get some, you know, prime chance to show off the latest version of his coaching profile and identity. It would be one team being extremely overmatched by the other. But for sure, that tie-in would, would I think, draw a lot of local interest and, and I'm sure, you know, be meaningful to Luke. Yeah, but like you said, I I also don't th- I also don't think they're getting there. Um, so, right. um, Sam, first time we've had you on the podcast, so it is a thrill for me. Um, you know, and and our listeners don't know this, but Sam, you and I talk on the phone every day, often for much too long. Um, 
at least in terms of my, my daily productivity. That's but, why um, I grinned when you said it was a thrill because the only difference is you hit the record button. <laughs> I know. But um, since we haven't had you on the, on this podcast, I know you've touched on these things with tampering, but this is a question I ask, I've asked Brett on this podcast numerous times over the course of the season as we've checked in. How real at this point do you think the Lakers championship aspirations are? Do you do you see them as as the as the title favorite? Uh, do you think that they're, they're standing in the Western Conference um, makes them a title favorite, or at least a, let's just say the, the favorite to get out of the Western Conference. Because I think right now you have to look at Milwaukee as the as 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 as, as the favorite league wide. But how do you view the Lakers as and their chances of getting to the finals? So I have them as a favorite in the West. Um, I really don't have them necessarily that far ahead of the Clippers. I know the Clippers have had their fits and starts, but they have you know this very legitimate out. I guess I would call it when it comes to the uniqueness of their program and. Kawhi um, and load management and Paul George having dealt with injury stuff, they still have a ton of talent and they are still showing occasionally. Now they've had, you know, a, a bad stretch recently, but I feel like every time they have a bad stretch, if you kind of peel the onion back, you can start to figure out why. And I've, I've yet to have or see them have the kind of a bad stretch that leads me to say, I just don't think they're that good. Right. So I, I don't think, that I'm taking the Clippers out of that mix at all. And to be honest, and maybe recency bias because I'm staring at a story about the Rockets PJ Tucker on my computer screen right now, but Houston really does seem to be worth watching, legitimate, dangerous. And their choice to go all in on small ball, trade for Robert Covington, get rid of Clint Capella, and empower James Harden and Russell Westbrook the way they have is going to be the most interesting storyline of the first round. And if they make it through the second round, this this thing they're doing and whether or not it works. Um, I heard your good buddy, Jared Dudley, your your favorite interview subject of the Lakers on Zach Lowe's podcast the other day. I was just going to bring this up. Yeah, saying that he, I mean, it's a really great point that he thought that the, the future of the big man essentially depended on the Rockets' outcome in these playoffs because – they are trying to roll the dice and send the message to the basketball world that you don't need a conventional big man. They got PJ Manning the five spot. He's six foot five, about 250 pounds. And and from you know, conversations I had with PJ, he's not really sweating this new life where he's banging with the big boys because a he's bigger than people realize, and b the payoff for them offensively has been tremendous. They've been really really dangerous. So I have the Rockets in that mix too, and and Denver it's got its own lane, Bill. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't know how much I trust them. Um, Jokic is incredible. Gary Harris has struggled. Um, so Denver's got to be respected, but I do see them differently. You know, it's interesting about Houston and, and, and the idea of them basically controlling the fate of the big man because I was talking to somebody the other day, and Laker fans will get a kick out of this. I was actually on the phone with former Lakers center Robert Sacre, who made the case that the Lakers control the fate, the future of the NBA big man. And I do, I think that there is something to this idea where you have polar opposites in the Western conference right now, where you have yeah. obviously the Rockets have gone super small and the Lakers have gone super big where they play, you know, three, you know, essentially seven footers. And if the Lakers win a title with that group, um, that you, will you see the NBA now adjust back in that direction where, you know, the NBA, obviously it's, it's a, it's a copycat league. Um, does the, do the Lakers control the fate of, you know, seven footers in the NBA? Um, now the Lakers obviously have pretty unique bigs who are um, good and versatile defenders, which I think it makes a difference. It's not the lumbering, the lumbering uh, seven footer out of, you know, from, from, you know, from some big 10 school who, um, you know, grew up on, on 
on on corn and whiskey. But <laughs> I was waiting for the other <laughs> corn, corn and rye <laughs> and water distilled in a barrel. Cheese. Uh, and, and cheese. There we go. Grew up, grew up, grew up on corn and cheese curds and Miller Lite. In whey. Let's get some whey in there. <laughs> but I, I, th- I think it's an interesting point. And I think by July, when teams are you know retooling and, and, and recalibrating their rosters, I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see some adjustments based on, you know, who wins the title. If, if the Lakers or Rockets win the title, if, if it's, you know, if it's the, the Clippers who are more in the middle of that or, or the, or the or the Bucks who are kind of more in the middle of that spectrum, maybe things don't change. But if it's the Lakers or Rockets, you might see some some adjustments made league wide, which would be interesting. Yeah, no, I agree. And I was processing your whole viewpoint while also trying to cheat and pull up a few numbers to illustrate your point. Um, I didn't get exactly what I wanted, but just to the point about the Rockets and how good they've been since the trade. Um, now Russ missed a couple of games, but in the six games that he has played since the trade. Uh, he's coming in at 34 points a game, uh, more importantly, 57% shooting uh, overall, and he's only taken about two and a half threes a game, and that's at a 43% clip, which is great for him. Russ playing this way is scary for the rest of the league because he always wanted to fire away from beyond the arc when everybody knew he shouldn't. Now all of a sudden somebody has talked him into, probably Mike D'Antoni, to not doing that. Uh, the big man not being in the way, not being in the lane. I do love that Mike D'Antoni is talking someone out of shooting threes. Right, right. Well, that's the power of Russ's inability to shoot them. But I think that um, this is, it's frightening. It really is for the, the rest of the league. And and I'm going to keep cheating and get you a, an overall um, offensive number here in a second. But that juxtaposition of the Lakers and the Rockets and the future of the big man is interesting. Um, as a quick aside, Bill, you also just gave me a, a wild flashback when you said Robert Sacre's name. I, I remembered the the first night that Dwight Howard was supposed to debut as a Laker in his first go round with the Lakers. Um, preseason game in man, I forget. I want to say San Jose. One of those off NBA City preseason affairs. Dwight had the back problem, was hurt, didn't play. And I said hello to Jim Buss before the game. I'm sorry, after the game. And Robert had played so well that Jim's quote to me was, who needs Dwight? We got Robert Sacre. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, Robert Sacre is a guy. I mean, this is a total diversion. Robert Sacre, future Basketball Reasons guest, by the way. I think oh, I think that, that I think that's I think that's necessary. He has his own podcast, by the way. He wanted me to um, to drop that. What's that called? It, you know, I've got, I've got I'm, 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 I'm a subscriber. Let me pull it up. Biggs don't uh, lie. It's a, it's a good it's a Gonzaga basketball podcast, um, running with the Zags or something like that. Stop updating okay. podcasts. Ah, there it is. Like believe in the Zags. Believe B L E A V in the Zags with Jack Ferris and Robert Sacre, who's just living his best life in 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 Spokane, Washington. Retired from basketball. Um, went over and played in in Japan for a couple of years, um, and now is just you know chilling. Um, I think he has, I think he told me he had like a bear tag to go, to go bear hunting soon. So he's living his best life, but right. he, I like you know, I mean, but I mean, he's a guy who this is 20 years ago in the NBA, you know, might've had a 10 year career, right. but there's just not the, there's just not the jobs for a guy like that. And, and you know, it, it is, it is essentially what it is. Um, if I can channel every NBA coach ever. And you know, that's, uh, I don't know. I, I think, I think the whole thing is just very interesting to put a finer point on it. Rockets offense in those nine games and, and bear in mind, even before the trade, Clint wasn't playing and they were playing a similar style. And that's kind of what, what kind of preempted or, you know, or, or led to this move. 
Um, Rockets have the second best offense in the league in the last nine games, 118.1 points per 100 possessions. And their defense uh, is number 10. So the idea of them being a top 10 defense without the big is another key development. So that should be fun to watch. Sam, what's on your just while we have you? What's on your radar NBA wide kind of uh, over the next few weeks? Is there is there a is there a race you're watching in, in, around the league? Is there a, is there a, a player? Is there a, 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 an addition from the trade deadline that you're curious to see how it works? I mean, obviously we've talked about the Rockets. That's probably the big one. But what what around the league is 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 keeping you uh, intrigued? I would start at the top and say that I'm uh, I'm, I'm team uh, Milwaukee Bucks PR, trying to tell everybody to try to appreciate this team and. You know, uh, Barry Baum and Dan Smeechek from Bucks PR can actually cut me a check at some point. I was going to say your colleagues from Bucks PR. Yes. Um, you know, I just think that we, I get it. It's a small market team. I get it. They don't have any drama. The only thing that gets anybody's attention is the pregame wrestling matches, you know, with the Lopez brothers and the fun that they have together. But this is a team that is just a tiny shade below the 73 win warriors from a few years back. And I just am struck by the fact that, you know, I covered that warriors run as closely as anybody nationally went with them on the, you know, all the big games was there when they got to 72 to tie the bulls was there when they got to 73 and the hype choice, around by the way, Bad I know, choice. I know. And in, in hindsight, it definitely was. I agree. The late Kobe Bryant is his last, game um bad choice for sure and although the only saving grace bill since you went down that road is i'll never forget walking into the warriors locker room the after that 73rd win was complete and it was at oracle arena and i walk in and steph curry and clay thompson are sitting to the left and, and you're thinking that you're going to talk to them about their achievements and instead the first thing i heard was Steph looking at Clay and saying, did you see what Kobe did? <laughs> you know, like even even down there or up there, I guess, they they were talking about Kobe and what he had done that night. Sure. Um, but the hype around those Warriors was so great, and it, it almost bums me out a little bit that these Bucks aren't getting any of that. You know, I mean, what if they stopped losing and got to 74? There would be no, you know, telling of the story until the very last minute. So the Bucks and, and whether or not they're going to keep the pedal to the metal has my attention. Um, beyond that, I would say, just trying to think top of mind. I mean, you know, continuing to monitor LA, uh, Luka Doncic is on my desk in terms of a story that myself and, and our Mavs beat writer, Tim Cato, are working on. That should be a fun one whenever that comes out, you know, and, and kind of, to, I guess, to keep going down that road, Luka and who is he going to be with the Mavs in the playoffs should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, as far as the actual schedule on my end, I'm going to be making a rare East Coast trip next week, uh, going to the Sloan Conference in Boston, stopping into our New York headquarters, so making the rounds a little bit. So it's that time of year, as you know, where you know we kind of just weave in and out and, and fill the time before the playoffs get here. You know, it's interesting. You talk about the Bucks versus the Warriors. I mean, I don't know that the Warriors, when they first emerged as a juggernaut, had everyone's respect until they until they finally won a title. Like I go back to the start of that year. The, the season they won was was um, Byron Scott's first year coaching the Lakers, and that was when in preseason he said threes don't win championships. I mean that was you know right. we were in the middle of the the three point revolution, and like there still wasn't um, I don't think there was still like a full understanding and appreciation of what was happening around the league. So I think you know I, I think that the, the litmus test is 
like, can you win a championship? And then, and then, and then the awareness comes and it obviously, um, that's not fair to what the bucks are accomplishing now. I think that you're right, that, that you need to be appreciating as it's happening. Um, but you know, no, but the point you make, that's a good one. And because the 73 win year obviously followed a championship year. And yes. so that's the key distinction. So I hear you. And and I think to that point, it's that idea, which is fair that the, the bucks could have won 79 games this year. And we still wouldn't know if Mike Budenholzer would find a way to essentially not let teams, you know, t- you know, find the kryptonite for Giannis yep. Antetokounmpo in the playoffs. Like that question couldn't be answered no matter how good they were in the regular season. Oh my God. I had, I didn't even remember this um, because I have a very short term memory. Uh, 67 and 15 that war that first warriors team that won a title in the regular yeah. season i mean that's yeah. i mean that's just i mean that's downright dominant i mean uh, it is and again i mean I don't, I, what's the latest math on here keep going and i'm going to tell you i mean the, last i looked the bucks were on pace for uh 70 ish it was about to be 71 so i mean they this is big time stuff yeah i mean and, and listen like it, it within the context i know it's a lakers podcast we've we've, we've strayed a little bit a field here but i think it all it all kind of ties ties into the idea that you know especially if you are in if you're in la or if you're in the lakers universe there is a i think there is just sort of a feeling that the lakers will be there at the end of the year because they have lebron because they've been dominant um for much of the season but it is hard it is hard to be and i, I know that people we know this this is not breaking news but it is hard to be there in june it is hard to get through the western conference playoffs i mean i think the west is um is as complicated and as um competitive as it's ever been and then and then that's not even to mention the fact that you get to the end of the road and you are you're facing a team in milwaukee potentially right potentially milwaukee that won 70 regular season games i mean that is just it is a it is a tough, 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 tough task. And to just say, well, the Lakers have LeBron and they're going to win um, is, I think, probably a disservice to everyone else who's in the mix. No, and I'm, I'm dying to see it. Um, I don't have a dog in the fight. The Clippers-Lakers thing is so interesting because one thing that has been on my mind recently on the Clippers front is that while I have a ton of respect for Kawhi's game and the idea that I mean, he's not only in the conversation for best player in the game, but, you know, when healthy, when out there, you see the two-way play that nobody else is bringing to the table. I mean, even Giannis, as a quick thought here, the other night I heard Jeff Van Gundy say that he thought Brooke Lopez was the defensive player of the year. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, you're trying to tell me that Giannis isn't even the best defensive player this season on his own team. Now, Kawhi, at his best, when healthy, is, you know, is a two-time defensive player of the year and a guy who... Uh, one of these days is probably going to win MVP if he plays enough games. So that's the positive hype from Sam, right? But on the negative side, like we kind of, I think we forget a little bit that in the playoffs last year, as great as Kawhi was, yes, he put the Raptors on his back. Yes, he got the job done. We kind of gloss over all the circumstance that that went into his championship run. So I don't, I'm not one of those people that has this premise of Kawhi being it, Kawhi being the guy um, and that being the ultimate difference maker in these playoffs, because it took the Warriors having a ton of injuries. It took that shot bouncing four times and falling in. It could have been Philly moving on. Um, Kawhi got breaks and he took the, made the most of them. But when you try to analyze the whole superstar power ranking, so to speak, when it's LeBron and AD versus Kawhi and Paul, 
uh, I think Kawhi, like the rest of these guys, is going to have to go out and do it. It's not something where he's, you know, established that uh, that if you have him, you have the trophy. Yeah, and, and same for the Lakers, by the way. I mean, this is they need things to, to break their way. They need they need their guys to, you know, stay healthy. I mean, we're recording this on Thursday morning. The Lakers are in are in Golden State. LeBron's out sitting out the game with a sore groin. Now, I think that's being largely interpreted as as a load management type thing. But this is also a TNT game that that he's missing. Uh, you know, I don't know that he'd be sitting out if there wasn't something really going on there. I'm not saying he's you know injured, injured. But you hear LeBron James and you hear groin after what he experienced last year. That's that's a little scary. So, you know, the Lakers need to stay healthy. They need they need not only, you know, things to break their way on the floor. They need. You know, they need all the you know, they need all the breaks that that any other team would need, too. So it's, I just want to know, is is Jared going to admonish him in person? I mean, Jared talked to I love Jared. He talked a big game on Zach's podcast the other day. He talked about how stars, you know, this is this is a part of him that is active on the players union front. The MVPA says stars can't be sitting in these national games. We got revenue streams to worry about. So, you know, if this is a load management game, is, is Jared standing up and, and giving LeBron the business? What is what is Jared Dudley going to be when he retires? Because he's he I think he wants to do everything. I think he wants to coach, be in the yeah. front office, and be a broadcaster. Yeah. Um, which listen, you can do over the course of a post playing career. Steve Kerr, Kerr, Steve, Steve Kerr yeah. has done all of those things. Larry Bird has done maybe everything except for be a broadcaster. Was he was Larry Bird ever on the broadcast? I don't think so. But he was in Space Jam, which is like being on a broadcast. Larry <laughs> Larry Bird's done them all. I mean, so um, Stan Van Gundy has done them all, despite not being a player of even Jared Dudley's stature. But um, what, what do you think Jared Dudley is? Um, I, if I had to guess, I see him as a GM type. I see him. I mean, I think that he's always been very aware of the business side. He is very savvy when it comes to the machinations of the league and what leads to trades. Um, he's not one of those. A lot of times you have players who you can tell that, you know, they're not factoring, you know, a lot of times, players will overlook the value of picks and, and only focus on players moving um, from team to team. And I just think Jared could be good in an executive role. Uh, but he's, I love how savvy he is in, in trying to set that stage in the kind of way that, that puts all the power in, in his, in, you know, in, in his uh, side of things, because I mean, as much as I would like to think that it's Jared enjoying us, uh, you know, just because we're incredibly nice people in terms of how he engages with the media. I mean, he's a very smart dude. He knows that the more his voice is out there, the more his perspectives are out there. Um, these are the types of things that at some point cross the ears of an owner at some point cross the ears of, you know, somebody he didn't know previously who likes the way he sees the league and the game and the way he thinks. And that's going to lead to something. I have no doubt that we are going to be interacting with Jared in a professional way for a long time after his playing days are gone. Yeah. And listen, like Jared Dudley is a guy we have talked about a lot this year because of the fact that he is so open. He's so willing to engage on topics. And this is obviously the story of his whole career. You know, he's a guy who's playing eight minutes a game for the Lakers. He averages 1.6 points a game. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, and, and listen, he like LeBron has called him one of the best teammates he's ever had. I think he's a, a vital presence in the Lakers locker room. I'm not trying to diminish Jared at all, but like by being, by being, you know, somebody who is, you know, become is willing to be part of the conversation. Um, it makes him more visible. It makes him more, um, like you said, it, it, it gets him in people's minds. It helps him build relationships with people who might help him down, down the road. If he is in media relationships with us could be useful. Um, but maybe not us, but certainly not me, but like you, Sam, no, Amick, no, uh, the, face of, short, the, yeah. the face of the athletics podcast, we need billboards, by the way, <laughs> we need a tampering billboard. 
with with okay. you and Joe Varden on the freeway. All right, all right, Boomer. We're doing billboards here. <laughs> I'm yeah. with you. I think he's 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 great. And I also think um, one of the things that's always fascinated me about the Lakers in general is it just never gets old seeing role players maximize their time with the Lakers in terms of the branding. Like I've said, Oh my God. Yeah. Like, like, like Nick young saw, you know, I mean, who knows how much more off court money he made because of his short time with the Lakers, Danny green. I just watched and Danny, listen, you're talking about a champion, a guy who's a incredibly talented player for a very long time. I just saw the, I think it was a Budweiser commercial with Danny that got my attention that, that a was a great commercial. It was preaching the importance of, being uh, smart and sober and drinking responsibly, but like they had like Danny green getting his own beer commercial with Anthony Anderson playing a part and having a Hollywood feel to it. That's not happening. If, if, if Danny signed in Memphis last summer, Indiana. Yeah. Um, by the way, if any Budweiser executives are listening to this, um, here's an idea for Danny green, green beer commercial, St. Patrick's day commercial, green beer. There you go. I like it. I like um, it. To your point about branding, and I, this is a great podcast. We're just going to talk until until it's Friday. Troy Daniels, another guy who's a light, a, you know, rarely used reserve for the Lakers. Um, he was at All Star Weekend, and he like had a he had a promotional event at Neiman Marcus, and yeah. I, I asked him like how that came about, and he's like, "Hey, playing for the Lakers, these opportunities haven't been there for me before, but because I'm here, because I play with LeBron, because you know, we're first in the West, you know, there's there's demand for a Lakers player, and that, oh, yeah. of course, and like it, it goes back to something Kyle Kuzma told me in the preseason when we were talking about. China, uh, incidentally, there's demand. Why not squeeze the lemon? And and you know that 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 phrase is, has stuck with me. I think that's true of of all these guys. Troy Daniels doesn't know if he'll be a Laker next year. He doesn't know how long he'll you know have that appeal. So yeah, absolutely, squeeze the lemon. I remember Matt Barnes talking, and this is before the the tragic helicopter accident that took Kobe and Gianna and the other seven victims. Um, Matt, I think it might have been with his on the All the Smoke podcast with Kobe about the lifestyle aspect of playing with the Lakers. And, and there was even one story where he convinced Kobe to to come to, I forget what city they were in, but to go out. And Kobe didn't go out much. He was the guy who would, you know, go to bed before you and be at the gym three hours ahead of you. Um, but he Matt got him to go out. They went to a club. And, and you know, the, the picture that he was painting was that the Laker life of any kind was fantastic. When it came to the off-court stuff, uh, you know, fill in the blanks however you want. But rolling with Kobe took things to a different level, and you see that all the time. It doesn't matter if you're the 15th guy on this Lakers squad. A Laker is a Laker. And so the uh, point of this entire story, Bill, is that, I mean, a Laker beat writer should be reaping these benefits. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you getting out of this, buddy? Like, what's I mean, sponsorships, you know, trying commercials? To, trying to get some green beer. <laughs> you got a low bar. You're such a sports writer. <laughs> as, long as, it's, as long as it's a bar. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this, how much I've appreciated having you on Basketball Reasons. Um, I, I I know you've been a loyal listener from the beginning, a supporter of both me and Brett uh, throughout our careers, and including our audio careers. So thank you. Um, also, thank you for supporting my son's uh, Montessori school fundraiser <laughs> by buying by buying raffle tickets. That was much appreciated. I hope you win. Don't worry, and... it's coming back at you whenever the Amy <laughs> fundraiser so, happens. So I've been I've been um, I've been hitting everybody up in LA media, and people are you know incredibly uh, generous and and kind to you know to participate in something like that. But Andy Kamenetsky said to me, he goes, you know, my daughter's school has raffles too. 
And it's like <laughs> I, I told my wife, it's like if I'm if I'm taking these people's money, you better better be prepared for this to come around. And oh yeah, sudden, there's we're, a little we're bit gonna, of we're going to be in the raffle ticket business for. for a long time. No question, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> all right, Sam. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you for all of your insight and and all your hard work. You know, as a as a colleague, I appreciate it. I appreciate the bar you set among our NBA staff, and then obviously uh, I know our readers do too. So thank you, thank you for all you do, and thanks for joining us today. And uh, look forward to the, the future episodes of Tampering. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Take care.